Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Tis the season. Tis the season for what, Justin? Well, to watch the Home Alone movies repeatedly. I'm not big on re-watching movies, mm-hmm. but Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, these are films that I will re-watch every year. I see, and that's why I'm always willing to watch them again with you because I love to rewatch movies, and there are so few that you will agree to keep rewatching with me. It's one of my favorite movies to think about. It's one of my favorite movies to watch. Uh, both. Which I, I think they're. Um, which is superior in your opinion? Okay. In your opinion, Home Alone One is a better movie. The themes, the acting, the script—literally all of it—is better. Home Alone Two is funnier because those poor men. I agree that Home Alone 2 is funnier to an extent. Oh, and Tim Curry. Sorry. Tim Curry elevates the proceedings. Uh, He's a light Rob Schneider down point. So I'm not counting Tim Curry because he is undone by his proximity to Rob Schneider. Now see, though, if that's the kind of math you're going to do with Home Alone 2, here's the problem. Yeah. So here, has Tim Curry. That's great. But, as you said, has Rob Schneider also cameo by... Donald Trump. Donald Trump. So... It's tricky. Many years ago, in 20... Forever ago, we did uh, a review of Home Alone, all the injuries, just for you. You can dip back into the annals and and check that out if you want to. But this this year, this time, Home Alone 2. That's right. Well, it's because, one, it just seems appropriate, and two... The injury, like, they ramp it up in yeah. Hamlin 2. That's, yeah. I mean, generally speaking, like, there are definitely, and if you go back and listen to the episode about Hamlin 1, there are definitely, like, fatal they're already dead. injuries. They're already dead. Yeah, from yeah. Hamlin 1. Dead, 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 dead. Um, but overall, I mean, there are a lot of injuries that are like, yes, that's painful. I mean, s- stepping on glass ornaments would be incredibly painful, but it's not going to kill you. Yes. And I would say, like, the average fatality potential of the injuries in Home Alone 2 is higher. Um, I'd also like to note that, so, okay, just to briefly, in case you haven't seen Home Alone 2. Yeah, that would be weird. Home Alone 1, the kid's trapped in the house and the robbers are trying to break in and he creates a bunch of traps. Yeah. But in Home Alone 2, he's trying to stop the the sticky bandits now, they're no longer the wet bandits, from robbing a toy store. Yeah. And it, he he does so by luring them to his uncle's house under renovation. Yes. Where he has already set up. A man trap. Yes. A but he lures them trap. to yes. the house. Yes. He lures them there to the trap he has created to kill them. Yes. Yes. Jigsaw. So I think that's more. <laughs> it's a baby jigsaw. Yes. It is, it's more sinister is what I'm saying. Like not um, only are the injuries we're going to discuss like upping the. He was the under. Annie. It's also really important. No threat. They try to justify this, actually. There's a, an amazing scene in the movie where Kevin's like, I'm just going to dog pound it out of New York. I don't know what I'm doing here. This sucks. I'm just a little kid. And then he hears about the Sticky Bandit's plan to rob the toy store. And he sees, in order to justify the things that he's going to do, they have a wild scene where Kevin's like outside a hospital where there's a sick kid in the hospital that Kevin like makes eye contact with. And he's like, I got to kill these guys. Well, because what, and he also has to learn, like it's a whole thread because he's in the toy store. He meets the toy store owner. He's nice. 
He's so nice. He's so nice. He finds out later that all Takes of the- Takes a wild amount of time with the transaction with the boy. Mm-hmm. Like a 20 minute, it's the like week before Christmas. And the, this guy's like, let me tell you about turtle doves. They're beautiful. There's yeah. 50 people behind him like, please let me buy a Power Ranger. <laughs> I want to go, please. So he, so he has that interaction. He learns that the proceeds from the Christmas, like specifically Christmas Eve, I don't know. Yes. Specifically Christmas Eve proceeds go to the children's hospital. Yes. So he learns that piece of information. Is, then he has the moment where he sees the child in the children's hospital. Mm-hmm. And that's when he's like, I can't let this happen. I th- I will murder these men. This is not going to be a popular opinion, but I will say that all signs point to the fact that the Sticky Bandits have chosen wisely. They can uh, uh, absorb the loss of this robbery. This is a business in the toy industry that is giving away its biggest night of profits. They're doing fine. They're doing just fine. Well, but the, but see, the thing is, like, what Kevin understands is that if the Sticky Bandits take that money, that's a great out for, what is it, Duncan's Toys? Is that what it is? Yes. Duncan's, Duncan's Toy Chest to just say, oh, I, we don't have any money for the children's hospital this year. Sorry about that. They stole it all. We don't oh. have extra. We don't have other So money. anyway, they create this system, this in, this wild system where basically by the transitive properties of film logic, the sticky bandits are breaking into a hospital full of sick kids and stealing all their money. And Mm -hmm. Kevin is stealing their, their toys. No, it's their money they get from the toys. So it is the, the, I know, but they they don't give the sick children money. They buy something for them with the money. So they're not stealing money. Medicine. And like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like medicine toys. This is what I'm saying. To justify what Kevin is about to do, these guys, the, the the film has to say, look, these guys are basically like hurting sick kids, basically, if you think about it, by robbing this place. So Kevin has to kill them. And he's and they say it later. They even make a point because, uh, spoilers, they do get caught and arrested by the police. They do survive in order to get arrested. But they say, like, we were just trying to steal all the toy store's charity money. We were just We know we we are we know exactly what we're doing. It was extra that they had already. It was extra. Now there are some like minor injuries, like as soon as you as soon as you realize like the sticky bandits have escaped from prison mm-hmm. and are loose in New York. Yes. Where is also where Kevin accidentally ended up. Right. Um they start like getting into hijinks right away. Mm-hmm. Like Marv already has covered his hand in tape. We debated a long time. Is this duct tape? Is it masking tape? It's I, it really kind of looks, looks like, like masking tape. tape. Um, and like is using it to steal things quickly because mm-hmm. it's sticky. Yes. So they things stick to it. He steals lots of uh, mainly like uh, w- winter outerwear accessories. Yeah. That's the main thing he can steal well are yes. like scarves, gloves, He takes a lot of kids' muffs, mittens. Lots yeah. of hats. Yeah. Lots of hats. Um, but like there's some stuff with that because like – his he almost accidentally steals a woman's purse because his hand gets stuck to it in a crowd, and then he gets slapped in the face. Um, he falls while he's ice skating. Soon after, mm-hmm. these are minor injuries. Well, they'll be fine. We're not worried about this. The first time that Kevin starts trying to murder them <laughs> <laughs> is when they they first like see each other. The three of them like encounter and realize like, oh my gosh, we're all here. This mm-hmm. is wild, and they're like instantly like, we're gonna kill this kid. In the middle of this busy sidewalk. Yeah. They, like, walk right over We're, to him, like... He's gonna execute you. Yeah, like, they're gonna murder him right there. Right here in broad daylight. On this busy New York sidewalk, which it was... I guess it was a different time in New York City. This was... Uh, this yeah. was Only Trump can get away with that. They should know better. <laughs> um, so they chase him, and uh, Kevin stops to buy what is presumably some fake jewelry being sold at a table on the sidewalk, buy some giant strings of pearls... This is, it's just classic, right? Yeah. Breaks the pearls off the string. They yeah, go all yeah, over the sidewalk. Bit. Yeah. The thieves are chasing him and they slip. The old crime alley special. Yeah. And they fall on their backs, which is like, again, definitely survivable. I don't think there's anything to suggest. Like, I, they're, you know, they're getting older. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how good since they've been in prison, like their diet's been in terms of like calcium intake and vitamin D. So like, I don't, I don't think these are bone breaking falls. Certainly in someone who was, you know, osteopenic, osteoporotic, I'd be more worried. But I think so far it's just like, I mean, if they hit their heads, that would have been bad, but they don't appear to. 
Yeah. They're always very good at falling with their necks just flexed enough forward have, that the back they of their heads never. They <laughs> stunt professionals doing those, not Mr. Pesci and uh, Mr. Stern. It is interesting that nobody um, else falls on the pearls, though. Yeah. Very targeted. Because it's wild and no one would ever fall on them. And they had to try really hard to fall on them. I don't think you slip on pearls if you walk on them, but I've never tried. Well, it's also weird because it's like gravel. So I think it's fine. Like on a ballroom, I could see where this would start to be an issue, but I don't think on the gravel it's going to be a problem. Or was it? I thought it was. But we can't get into the physics of whether or not these things would happen in the movie. Okay. Kevin gets them both punched right after that. One point I want to make about the movie in general. Mm hmm. Um, and Justin, you actually pointed this out initially, uh, early on when, when Harry and Marv realize like they're going to have to face off against Kevin again, mm-hmm. uh, Marv is like, well, who cares? It's just a kid. What's he going to do? It's no big deal, which is wild. Yeah. That is wild that he says that. Yes. Because he was killed previously mm-hmm. in Home Alone 1 repeatedly by a child, a small boy. Right. Yes. And so, and and generally they like, they just walk right into all the traps in Home Alone 2. Yes. They show very little hesitancy. There's like one moment that we'll get to where they, they try to actively avoid traps from, from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of the time, they seem to have no memory whatsoever of the previous, you know, yeah. the capabilities of this murderous child. <laughs> and, I think that suggests that there was permanent damage, perhaps, Okay. from some of the injuries they sustained, especially all the head injuries they sustained in the first movie. Yes. Maybe some memory loss as a result. There is no way anybody would say kids aren't dangerous. This man has been hurt by a child so badly. There's just no, there's just no justification for it. And from the first jump, so he, so they're breaking into the toy store. Kevin gets the cops there by throwing a brick through the window. Uh, and they chase him through the broken window. And when they come out of the toy store, already we got, like, a seesaw set up. So that, like, Marv jumps on one side, and then Harry jumps, no, Mar- Marv. Anyway, Harry gets shot up in the air. Yeah. That's what happens, because it's a seesaw. It's like a cartoon mm-hmm. sort of thing. He flies up in the air. He lands on top of a car. The car is absolutely demolished demolished yeah. by Harry's body, yeah. Joe Pesci, yeah. falling from the sky. Um, I would say at this point in the film, there's a high likelihood that Harry is dead. The, yeah. If you think about the force that it would take to crush a car. Right. But he has transferred the force to the car, you know? Well, but yeah, but there is also podcast. a force being applied on his human body yes, by as the he strikes the car. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, that, and that's, so now, is it enough force to shatter crumple, every bone? No, no. The crumple might be good. Because I think the crumple is maybe good, pat, patting him a little bit. Like pound for pound, like your bones are actually stronger than like stainless steel. So like your bones are really strong. But then there's also like density to consider, mm-hmm. um, and then like that's and then and the bones vary, and it depends on how you impact, right? Um, but one way or another, like you're getting some broken bones, you're getting some serious contusions from this. You have to start worrying about like, you know, the condition of internal organs. Like, what did your spleen hit with enough impact right, to, yeah. to lacerate it? Could you know, are you gonna have some internal bleeding as a result of this? You don't walk away from something like this. Period. You don't just walk away. Period. The end. The next part. So they make it to the to the three story house where um, Kevin's uncle's in Paris. So he's not there. It's under renovation. It is a, the wildest renovation, by the way. Yeah, it is a absolute nightmare in terms of job site safety. They are all over the place. They've just started in every room all at once. Yeah, there's no system. No, like they've the torn demo, out. The demo you pointed out, the demo is happening pretty haphazardly, just people tearing big holes in walls and walking away from the job. Yeah, and like that room just has a hole in the floor, that wall, and one exposed beam. And then this room has like the stairs are gone. Like you can't access yeah. the basement anymore. Are there any contractor podcasts? I'd love to hear their take on the job site. It feel, right. It feels like the just the general way it's being gone. Like if I walked into it, I would be like, "Are we sure this is it? Are we sure?" I don't know. Not my area of expertise, but I feel like this is not how it works. Yeah, we should start over. So anyway, Kevin's up on the roof and he's throwing bricks. God, I feel like this is like the classic scene from Home Alone Two. I feel like it's the one you always think of in Home Alone One. For me, it's the paint cans. Is it? And in two, it's the bricks. Uh, the bricks are what I, as a as a kid, I had the first instance of me uh, passing out from laughing because I was laughing so hard. 
There's just nothing funnier than the fact that Daniel Stern gets hit with a brick and Joe Pesci keeps egging the child on and he keeps hucking bricks at Daniel Stern, who is turning in a stunner of a performance as a man who's been repeatedly hit by bricks. There is something about the fact that the brick hits him on the forehead and multiple, he gets hit on the head by multiple bricks. Um, and he is knocked to the ground, certainly. And he's like, he does like sort of the cartoony, like you can imagine there are stars around his head yes. kind of expression. Yes, it's right? all very Looney Tunes-ish. Exactly. Um, but like, there's something very disturbing to me about the fact that the only injury is like the little hat, like L-shaped outline of the corner of the brick on his head and that's it. Yeah. Somehow that looks worse. Somehow it's I like look at that. you're worried all the bleeding is happening inside of him. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's worse than if it was just a big hole or something. I don't know. There's something about it that's like so sinister. So I, okay, physics was my weakest point of the of the big three sciences they make you take lots of to go to med school. I'm not saying they're the most important. I'm just saying that to go to med school, you got to take a lot of biology, a lot of chemistry, a lot of physics. Physics was my weakest. So I had to do a lot of researching to get the right calculations to try to figure out the force of this brick hitting this guy's head. The effect head. of brick vis-a-vis Yeah, skulls. like pounds of force yeah. and what would that do to a human skull. So if we estimate that it was about 30 feet, you told me that it was about 30 feet. I was just going that. by the number of stories in the house. Generally, I, 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 10 feet per story is my calculation. I have no spatial Rough reasoning. back of the napkin math. Yeah, I have no spatial reasoning. So this is not, I don't know. I don't. You could have said 100, you could have said five. <laughs> Five, I would have known was wrong. Yeah. I would have known five was That's wrong. Good, I'm taller than that. People couldn't get in there. Yeah. I'm taller than that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, you know, you've noticed that you don't crouch all the time forever. So yeah. you're thinking it's bigger than like it's five bigger, six. It's bigger than five. Five feet. And you have jumped, so that's got to get us to five, eight, five nine. I don't know how high I go when I jump. And your dad exists. Oh, I so he's exists. like, that's six feet at and least. He's six four. Six four. Okay, yeah. so six four is the one you could say for sure. <laughs> um. There are taller people in the basketball industry. Babe, I got to <laughs> tell you, spatial reasoning is not hard. It's just doing this a thousand times until it's just like, just instinct. Could my dad fit in this room? <laughs> yes. That's spatial reasoning. That's I it. can't. When I look at distance, when I look at height, when I try to estimate size of any kind, I don't know. You just got to be able to visualize your dad. I, Every That's what everybody's doing, pretty <laughs> visualize much. Visualize your dad. Yeah. Visualize I want to meet dad. that dad. Yeah, just visualize your dad. <laughs> 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 okay, so if the brick I looked up, bricks are like between four and five pounds. I don't know, depending on the kind of brick and size of brick. Good brick, um, bad bricks. Now, and we're assuming that it's like falling at the speed of gravity, right? Like he dropped it. Now, okay, I started with this. If he put more mustard on it, it's it different. Then it's falling yeah. faster. Um, so it's like about fifty-four pounds of force. 240 newtons, if you like that kind of thing. But I say 54 pounds because I know that in order to crush a human skull, and by the way, a lot, a lot, a, a lot, I can't emphasize a lot enough of people have Googled <laughs> or asked on various answer forums, ask and answer forums, how much pound, how many pounds of force does it take to crush a human skull? This is a common question, and I am concerned. I, although I also was at, was trying to figure that yeah, out. Yeah, you're adding to the pile, and you had pure intentions. I know. I'm part of it, too. But there are a lot of us out there going, how much weight would it take to— <laughs> Could I do it with my hands? That's so, a common one. So just Could know, a human crush a skull with their bare hands? That is a commonly Googled question. Just so you're not alone. Sydney's there with you, too, friends, in this curiosity of yours, this dark curiosity. And the, and the answers vary wildly. Like, I saw some journal— like actual medical journals citing like 520 pounds of force is what it takes to break a human skull. And then I saw other people who were like scientifically calculating like with strength and density and all this stuff of the bone and say, no, it's like 1,100 pounds of force. And then it depends on the angle and then the part of the skull. Like we're talking about like your frontal bone right there in the, the sure, his forehead. Right. Like right You're, there in the front of the skull is what we're talking about in this instance. And that's like a really thick, heavy-duty bone. Right. You know, different parts of the skull it might be different. Anyway, the point is it these individual bricks are probably not exerting enough pounds of force to crush his skull. Now, depending on the angle and how it hits, could they like get a tiny crack or a or a, you know, a chip in the bone and cause damage, concussions, knock him out, all that stuff. Absolutely, that's going to happen. Yeah. Absolutely, there's going to be damage. Absolutely, he's just not standing up and walking away after an injury like that. Right. And certainly bleeding and all of that would be a concern. Absolutely, yeah. like an epidural hematoma, you know, uh, blood crushing the brain and then he could die. All of that. But it actually probably wouldn't just smash 
his skull. Mm. I will note, though, that if you watch the movie carefully, Kevin doesn't just drop all those bricks. He's hucking. He's, he's hucking. throwing the bricks. Well, he's got, he's got to aim them. He's not a, you know— well, I'm just math saying, genius. so that that throws Calculate off all the, the math. of the brick, yeah. That throws off all the maths, maths. I mean, not the math. The math is the same, but we, the maths are different. Well, it's bad. We can all agree. Science has to be unified in that it's bad. So we have determined that before they've even entered the house of horrors, they are dead, probably, or at yeah. least like, like, like mortally wounded, need to be in a hospital immediately. Mm-hmm. Will not be able to survive whatever's coming next but they're going to get in the house, and I'm going to tell you what happens inside the house after we go to the building. Department. Ah, let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got at two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Last week, The Greatest Generation, the comedy podcast about old Star Trek TV shows like Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, just had its 500th episode. And Greatest Trek, the podcast about the new Star Trek shows like Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, and Discovery, just had its 250th episode. So whether you have a task that's roughly 750 hours long, or you want to learn about some of the production techniques that go into making one of the greatest franchises in television history, you should give us a try either way. The Greatest Generation and Greatest Trek, the best-reviewed, most-listened-to Star Trek podcasts in the world. They're on Maximum Fun. Cameron Esposito here, comedian and host of Query. Every week, I get to interview someone amazing from the LGBTQIA plus community. Some queeros. 
I chat with them about their lives, loves, careers, and more. I've talked to, you know, giant celebs, Trixie Mattel, Lena Waithe, Tegan, and Sarah Quinn, but also astronauts, reverends, nurses. It's funny, it gets deep, and hopefully it makes you feel like you're part of something. Join me every Monday on Maximum Fun to listen to Query with Cameron Esposito. Okay, so somehow they they are going to make it in the house, despite the fact that, like, really, um, Harry at this point has broken multiple bones and suffering internal injuries. And, I mean, I don't know how he's walking. Marv is, I mean, has some severe brain damage, more than likely. um, And perhaps some bleeding as well. He is going to try to open the door uh, by pulling on the doorknob, which is attached to a string, which eventually attaches to a staple gun. And he gets stapled in the butt Yes, um, through the door. Now, you noted that that probably wouldn't happen. Uh, I just think those staple guns, I mean, if it had been a nail gun, maybe. I just, the staple guns lose force so fast. Like, they don't have the force to, like, embed in something across the room or something. He's got a pretty thick coat on. Mm -hmm. I just don't see it. I don't, I think it would have... It might have stung for a second, but I don't think it would have. See, and if it's hitting him in the... Now, the way that they make it, they make it look like it's right in the middle of his butt. Yeah. So, like, have we possibly penetrated, like, the rectum? Like, is the anus involved? Yeah. I mean, uh, we Which is talk a bigger about, deal, of we course. We got to talk about what's depicted on screen, because, again, I don't know. Physics if it's wise, just going into the cheek, I mean, that's going to hurt, but you're going to be che- okay. Just a just kiss the on the cheek. Yeah. Just a kiss on the cheek. That's no problem <laughs> at all. Now, and then he turns around, and, of course, it is then... It hits it's his... clear that Marv's anus is ruined. <laughs> is that what you're about to no. say verbatim? <laughs> no. It's clear say, that Kevin has destroyed Marv's anus. <laughs> he gets a staple in the crotch area. I don't know. In the jumble. He gets a staple to the jumble, as our kids used to say. They know the right words now. They use the right words. Um, all the time. Yes. they are. <laughs> I, I taught them all the right words. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's the right thing to do, by the way. Yeah. This is a little PSA. It's actually good to teach your kids accurate anatomical term- terminology. Yeah. It's healthy. Just, I just get used That's to hearing it a lot. A I lot, know. a lot, a lot. I know. It's different <laughs> than maybe what you were raised with. Uh, but what, he gets me? Yeah. yeah no, I, I mean, never I was raised with. Here's what I was <laughs> raised with worm and nothing. <laughs> That's what I had. Those were my, that's what's my worm and that which shall not be named. That's what I, I grew up I, with. Okay? I don't know if that's better or worse than mine, uh, which was front butt and back butt. Both bad. <laughs> Differently bad, both bad. Um. Anyway, so he also gets a staple to the uh, scrotum, testicle, penis. Something in that area gets a staple. Um. Again, I mean, I guess if you're talking about like puncturing the scrotum or like actually a staple into I'm the not testicle, talk about which, that. but if there's not enough force there, because his pants are probably going to stop that, right? Yes, I don't think they need it. No, he no. does take one in the nose there. Bad, so bad. Definitely yeah, could happen just like it shows because he's very close. But it, but I don't know if it would. I mean, like it goes in so deep that you think like, did it actually penetrate into the sinus cavity? Yeah. Yeah, and that would be my worry. Would be infection with a it's lot of these, the, like the not proximity. so much the it, immediate injury as like you're introducing something that is not sterile, something that is dirty. I mean, that staple is not clean. Who knows what bacteria is on it? And you have just penetrated like the sinus cavity. That's a big deal. So infection would be a big worry. Um, once they get inside, uh, Harry uh, falls off of a. Oh no, this is before he gets inside. He falls off. Gosh, there's so many ladder-related injuries. Before he gets inside, he jumps to try to reach the ladder that Kevin has put the slippery stuff on, mm-hmm. and he grabs a hold of it and then immediately falls down. Yeah, um, it's too high again of a fall to not sustain some kind of damage from that. I mean, like they fall and land on their back on very hard surfaces a lot. And you can fall and land on your back and be okay. I'm not saying that, like, you can't walk away from that, especially, like, if your butt hits first and absorbs a lot of that, the energy of that fall. Obviously, you can walk away. They did. It's possible. No, well, that's not, this is not the point of reference. Mm -hmm. But, like, certainly you can. But if you're landing, it depends on how you're landing, because if you're landing right on your vertebra, you can easily sustain some some fractures. But we, but see, this is what I'm saying. We have Mm -hmm. to go by what the film shows us. And as far as we know, there were no vertebrae <laughs> shattered. Well, well, you don't see, sometimes you don't see, like when he hits the ground, you hear the thump and then you see him laying on the ground. You do hear some cracks, some foliage oh, of cracks. Oh, there's I lots think. of cracks. Yeah, there's lots of, yeah. Um, Marv 
opens the front door and falls 10 feet through a hole face first. Again, like he he appears to land, like smash his face into the ground, which is unlikely. Like when you're falling, your instinct is to put your hands out in front of you. So you're much more likely to break your wrists or sustain some sort of fractures in your arms. That would be my bigger worry because it would be very unlikely that you would fall with your arms flat to your side and just like smash your face on the ground. Yeah. You, you know, like you have a protective instinct that'll stop that. But you definitely get some bruisings and abrasions. And maybe and at this point, I somebody's got to have broken something especially a wrist fracture. Um, the tool bag that unzips and falls on Harry's head as he finally makes it into the house, I am assuming that the collective weight of all those tools would be a problem. Again, not enough maybe to like fracture, not to crush his skull, but to cause some damage, some definitely a concussion, definitely, I mean, like knocking him out would not be a shock. And the last one appears to fall after he has hit the ground. Mm-hmm. So then you got to worry, did it fall on his face? Mm. And a facial fracture could definitely happen from any of these things. Like that's, it's a little easier to break the bones in the face than it is, especially some of the smaller bones than it is to break a skull bone. So, you know, I'd be really worried about that. Um, Marv falls in the basement next. And this is, so, okay. Kevin has covered the basement floor with slippery stuff. What is this stuff? I thought it was supposed to be sticky, but it's just slippery. No, it's, it's like a, slime. It's a green slime ooze that they because they show it in the toy store. Uh, it's something he he buys at the toy store. Is that greens or maybe he takes it after he keeps it from getting? That's robbed. right. That's but it's right. Like green, a green slime type. Product. Greens. So these were like the early days of slime. Yeah, Ooh, absolutely. These were. I don't know if was it, this pre gack. Uh, I don't. I don't think it was a real product. Monster monster sap. Monster sap is what it is. It is branded as. Um, it is. Uh, it is made by the production team. It is not a real, not a real thing. But it is now. Monsters. They pre- did they know that in the future all children love slime and oh, all children yeah. make slime? I'm sure you can buy a big jar of monster sap. This is the one, by the way, coating surfaces with slime so that they're slippery. That is one thing that I do feel like Charlie and Cooper would be capable and maybe would even think like on their own to do. Were they in a situation where they needed to set traps for people? Um, um, I can see them making slime. I mean, they know how to make slime on their own. And I can see them coating surfaces in slime in self-defense. Yeah. I mean, can't you see that? Yeah, absolutely. I can yeah, see yeah. them doing that. Yeah, to try it. They do some haphazard like attempts. Like on the fly, and it I, never works out. No, Charlie would want to come up with some of those fanciful things. Yeah, Cooper, yeah, yeah. Cooper would just go straight for just like have, the she scissors. Would just have scissors. Yeah, I, I was thinking scissors. It would scissors. be scissors. Well, you know, she wouldn't think to get a knife. She's five, but like she is allowed to use scissors under certain circumstances. Yeah, Cooper, yes, not currently. With under certain circumstances, with our supervision, so that she doesn't cut her hair again. again. <laughs> but we, in this instance, we have we are home. They are home alone. Cooper has absolutely got the scissors yes. even before the robbing occurred. She already has gotten the scissors the moment we stepped out of the house, I assume. She also knows about your your secret axe and where it's hidden. Well, don't, we need to— Don't tell— I didn't tell her. She told, tell me. Well, didn't tell tell me. The internet. Well, I didn't tell They'll the internet. They'll try to disarm me. What did, if they go there did first? Did you see what I just— I almost said it, and then I didn't say it because okay, I'm okay. trying to keep your secret. But she knows where it's in. I've probably said the location of my secret axe before on a podcast, but. Yeah. We should. Well, I'm saying this right now. Oh God, We're going to move it. We're going a, to move it because it just occurred to me. Our five-year-old knows where it is. Do you think I've probably said the location of my secret axe before on this podcast was a direct quote from the Joe Rogan show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we finally found the one thing you can cross-reference our two shows with. <laughs> There, well, that and vaccine content of different <laughs> of a different nature, a variety of a variety <laughs> of cornucopia truths and mistruths and untruths and yeah, whatevers. Um. Anyway, so Marv slips on the ooze. He slides across the floor, and an entire shelf of paint cans fall on him. Okay, so you estimated the paint cans probably weigh a full paint can. About 10 pounds. Yeah. We looked it up between 7 and 12, so that was a good oh, guess. thank you. It was a good guess. Um, and I say that they're full because we see later that he's covered in paint and there's paint all over the floor. So they must have, at least some of them had to have been full of paint. Yes. There was a lot of paint in these cans. So, I got to say, for also for a renovation job, they did not buy these size cans. There is <laughs> no way that they bought these tiny 
super expensive one gallon cans. These guys are absolutely the, the worst contractors. They in were the also they were also like there were some cans of white paint, which certainly like white paint. But the other colors were like all primary, like bright yellow, bright blue, bright green. It's, and it's I mean, like that, it's important to know this place barely has walls. Yes, and it doesn't have floors. And they're like, listen, this job site's a mess. We gotta get all the paint in here, stat. <laughs> We get a good four months before there's even and walls gonna, in this place. We're going to put it in the basement, which has no access currently. We right. cannot get into the basement just at this chuck, time. How did they get it down <laughs> They just chucked it I've down there. I've worked up a complicated lever and pulley system. So It's really important. <laughs> it's really cheap right now. The, the shelf with all the cans of paint fall on him and cover him in paint. He is absolutely drenched in paint, and, and the paint cans hit him. And it, what I would really worry about is like, you know, you have a rib cage that can sustain a good amount of force. That's why it's there, right? Like it creates a cage around your heart and lungs because those are important and we, your, their body is, your body protects them. Um, but there is a limit to how much, like ribs can certainly break. We know that. And my worry would be the the crushing force that hits his chest and uh, an abdominal cavity, his abdomen, everything within his trunk would possibly fracture some ribs, create some crush injuries there. Like when you damage tissue enough that you start to get a lot of swelling and you start to like kill nerves and close off blood vessels, you could rupture a spleen very easily, which could cause you to bleed to death. Yeah. I mean, I'm really worried that like we're dealing with some punctured lungs and some damaged viscera, like organs, from all of the weight of these paint cans hitting him in that midsection. I mean, and they do hit his face too. So like there again, like we've got, we've got his cheekbones are probably fractured. Maybe some, maybe some clavicle fractures. His nose is already broken. It's going to get broken so many times. Um, But, but something else where he's not going to stand up and walk away. He does stand up and walk away where he walks over to the sink, which has been rigged to, what is the device? Cause I thought it was, I mean, it looked like jumper cables hooked up to a battery. It's but, an arc welder. Yes. Yeah. And and it's not even like he's using the arc welder. I think from what I was able to discern, it looks like he is backfeeding the charge from the arc welder into he has like rerouted the electricity from the arc welder into the the sink, like the mm-hmm. washing machine. And it looks sink. like two jumper cables, yes. which one is clamped on each yes. knob. Yes. And so when he reaches and turns both knobs at the same time, mm-hmm. which is key, right? Yes. Because he's completed the circuit. Yes. And he is shocked. He is yes. not electrocuted. Right. Oh, explain the difference if you don't mind. Uh, if he was electrocuted, he would be dead. Mm. He was shocked because he does survive. He is momentarily a skeleton. That is probably the most challenging part <laughs> of the movie. I think that is where we say goodbye to literalism, mm-hmm. which a lot of the movie trucks in. It's a heightened literalism, but it is basically literal what you're seeing, right? Yeah. And it's weird because in this movie, there's just one part where he turns in into the a whole skeleton movie where the man becomes a skeleton and then he turns back into marv except it's like the the when you get shocked on tv your hair goes straight up and maybe you get like scorch marks all over your body my theory is that that part was really annoying to shoot and that's why they left it in they're like we don't want that work to be for nothing cuz it doesn't it's it's wildly it, out of context i mean it doesn't it doesn't kill him it, certainly he was at high risk for that voltage passing through his heart which, I mean, basically at that point, what you're saying is you're going to throw off the electrical conductivity in your heart and mm-hmm. your heart can stop and you die. Yeah. That's what you're concerned about happening when you get shocked or Very. electrocuted if you actually die of it. And that, I mean, definitely that could have happened. It's possible that you survive that. Yeah. It's possible. Maybe. Maybe. But especially with both hands at the same time. Yeah. It's highly likely that, that he, his heart which would hand, stop. Which hand should he have used? Uh, his right hand. Oh, Okay. If you're going to now, I mean, neither is the best answer. Don't get shocked, please, if you can avoid it. But if you're going to get shocked, it's better if you get shocked with your right hand um, because the conductivity is actually slightly less likely to hit your heart than it is from your left, just positioning from your left hand. It definitely, either way, you could stop your heart and die. Yeah, but But there you go. I don't know. Either way, either way, be careful around electricity. Where's that lightning bug? You got to play it safe around electricity. There you go. There you go. got to play it safe. Okay. Harry gets his headset on fire uh, soon after this. Hey, Similar- wait. Just to make, just to real, be real clear, don't touch anything electrical. That no. is our official stance as a podcast. We know we just said there's a safer and a less safe way, but the more I think about it, 
I'm just gonna just concretely say, yeah. don't touch electricity. No, don't. Don't. I don't want to leave any wiggle. I don't want to. Don't touch anything. Return to the days of kerosene lamps. No, just don't. <laughs> don't mess with electricity. <laughs> I don't know anything about electricity, so you know what? I don't mess with it. I, if the light switch isn't working, I don't try to figure it out. I call someone who knows how. <laughs> um, Me. Mm, I mm. fixed. I, you I can fixed. Fix, you can do some things. You can do some things. That's true. I'd, I am not ever going to advocate for people who are not professionals. I've never had the whole of my being just summarily dismiss, as in, you can do some things. No, I mean, I'm it's not going like, to encourage I'm, people who are like amateur electricians to go for it. I don't know any in this room except for you. And then there's just me here. You're not a professional electrician. Uh, Sydney, you have no certification. Uh, Sydney, You've never taken any classes or in, tests. Uh, I put in a dimmer switch. I'm still here to tell you that. <laughs> I put in a few hue bulbs. Please don't take any electrical advice from Justin. This podcast dispenses no medical advice and no electrical advice. I was just thinking about swapping out some of these can lights here down here. I'm funny you mentioned that. You got to play it safe the, around electricity. I have a different special electricity that most people don't even have in their house called 220. That's how that's how into it I am. I have the special bad electricity <laughs> that you that I probably shouldn't have. I read that um, Joe Pesci actually did, like, burn his scalp a little bit in this scene where his head gets set on fire this time. Because his head gets set on fire in both yeah. Cumberland movies. Classic gag. Yeah. and then But, like, his head's on fire, and the only place to put it out is a toilet. And <laughs> Kevin has filled the toilet with that's kerosene. A, that's my favorite uh, lyric in Ironic. <laughs> <laughs> head's on fire, but the only thing around is a toilet. <laughs> So he sticks his head in it, and there's an explosion. Um, I mean, he would have some really serious burns. I don't think I need to make that. I mean, like, yeah, his head's on yeah, fire. His like, head's the top of his fire. head's on fire. His, um, his his hat has burned. His, his scalp at that point has burned. I mean, he has some serious deep head wounds, and then his head exploded after that. Yeah. Which just kind of makes him look like a chimney sweep from Mary Poppins. Yes. Like that's, again, very cartoonish. Look. We can all agree. But he would definitely, uh, aside from like the injuries to the skin and the flesh wounds that he would sustain, like a concussive injury from the explosion, mm -hmm. he'd be knocked out. Yeah. Like, for sure. From all of this. Um, and then, d meanwhile, Marv is down in the basement. He accidentally pulls a 100-pound bag of something. I don't know what it is, but it definitely has 100 pounds written on it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a 100-pound bag falls on him while he is looking directly up at it. So his neck is fully extended back. Unbelievable. I I think that that would hit with so much force that it would, I mean, definitely break his neck. I was wondering if it could decapitate you with that force. Probably not. It would probably just knock you backwards. Like, completely backward, break your neck, knock you backwards, you're gone. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a, you know, comedy podcast. So, like, I wanted to theorize, could it decapitate you? Probably not. A hundred pounds is so many pounds, by the way. Like, I know. It's, I know. That's a lot of pounds. Um, Harry falls. He's on a ladder and he falls forward. He might break some fingers, but probably not a big big deal. Um, they re reenact the paint can, except now Harry and Marv have learned you know, they're on the stairs. He's going to swing paint cans down in our face. We're going to avoid them. But then after they miss the first two and they think they're free and clear, he swings like a giant iron pipe, pipe yeah, which smashes them in the face. I mean, I'm talking like face fully smashed is what should have happened. They take it. They, I mean, they Dead just, on. they take it and they fly back and fall through a whole 10 feet to the basement below. Yeah. Um, I mean, their faces are shattered. The pipe then falls on them. And completely crushes their chest. So, like, they are crushed and smashed and dead. I mean, yes, at this point. But they, they do not um, appear to sustain any injuries whatsoever. Right after that, Kevin lets a giant tool chest, like, on wheels, like a... How many feet tall is it? Four? Five? Six? Six feet tall tool chest rolls down an entire flight of stairs, smashes through a door, and smashes Marvin Harry against a wall. Yes, and breaks their noses. It does break their noses. The door would redistribute the force a little bit across their entire bodies, which would help from, like, as many targeted, but, like, they definitely would, again, some some crush injury from that. Because you got to think about injury to the tissue, too. It's not just broken bones. Like, you can't just smash a hand or a foot or an arm or a leg or whatever and not sustain damage to the tissues, the blood vessels, the nerves inside. Mm -hmm. Like, other injuries are happening. Compartment syndrome could develop. 
Oh. Where you get so much swelling and inflammation inside that space that it begins crushing all of the structures inside. And you can lose blood flow to an extremity. You can we lose get, the extremity. Yeah, guys at the hospital. Yeah. Like, I mean, prison. you got to think about that too. So um, the, final, the final injury uh, within the house is when um, Kevin has scaled down the side on a rope. They try to follow him. He sets the rope on fire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they fall like almost the 30, almost the full 30 feet. Yeah. Down to the pavement below. Actually, yes. maybe even further because they fall through like. Oh, I think it's about 30. Because they were on the t- if we have to if we have to assume if we're using the number thirty as the height of the brick fall, then the height of the other fall. Can't it almost be looks like they it. fall under the sidewalk though, like they fall like down to the basement, of... le- like to the. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Either way, the point is they land on their backs, they, and they definitely would have multiple broken bones from this. None. They don't have any. Uh, also, all of the cans of varnish then fall on them, and they are just absolutely covered in varnish. They're inhaling fumes from the varnish. That's so bad. I mean, they. Could it looks get, like they get some in their mouth, which like they've as, ingested the varnish. This scene actually made me catch my breath as somebody who's like spent a lot of time avoiding huffing varnish or getting mm-hmm. any anywhere. Like to see these people just like coated in it, it's really rough. They've had a toxic exposure at this point. 100%. So aside from the fact that they should have broken their backs, what they need is milk. Um. <laughs> they need to get some milk. Well, they choice. they need to mm, they they need to call poison control and get to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, they also may have developed like uh, fluid in their lungs, pulmonary edema from inhaling that amount of varnish. Yeah, let alone like it gets in their mouth. It's absorbed through their mucous membranes, and I don't know how long you can be covered in varnish. How much of that you absorb slowly through your skin before you start to become poisoned by all the substances in the varnish? Um, they are still able to chase him to the park. Uh, where he enlists the help of the pigeon lady who covers them in birdseed and then calls upon her pigeons to eat them to death? No. Well, I mean, I think they just sort of like, <laughs> they just sort of like hassle them. You know what I mean? They peck all over them. And I guess at that point, we've done a, we did a whole, was it just one episode on birds? Or we did like a three-part series. Yeah, birds are, birds are no joke. Bird we, don't mess around, we don't mess around with birds in this so house. So aside from like, <laughs> we all saw the movie Birds and I, yeah, I think birds can peck you to death, like enough of them, like yeah. pulling at your flesh and your eyes and your lips and all your, I mean, like, yikes, yikes. Um, but aside from that, uh, avian flu, psittacosis, cryptococcus, histoplasmosis, salmonella, chlamydiosis, avian tuberculosis, the list goes on and on of the bird-related, il- the avian illnesses that the sticky bandits are taking with them to prison what, as they are carted off. What did you call Brenda Fricker her character? The pigeon lady? Ah, uh, well, yes. That is 100% what her character is named. <laughs> I thought that's what she was named. Tim Curry as concierge. <laughs> Brenda Fricker as pigeon lady. Dana Ivey as desk clerk. Rob Schneider as bellman. <laughs> there's almost no one, there's almost no named. named officer. The guy, the cop that she talks to in Times Square, cop in Times Square. <laughs> But that's know. how that's how unimportant these other human beings are. It's like don't even look at them; they're just big bags of flour. Come that's look at this of, kid kill these men. You know what though? That's kind of seen from the perspective of a child. Like we have a child alone who is like our that is our vehicle for the plot of the story, mm-hmm. and so we're seeing the world through this child's eyes. Yes. And through a child's eyes, people are sort of like put into con- like that's how we understand the world. Through or a child's eyes, people are heuristics really just of like policeman robber. Pigeon lady. <laughs> Two murder victims that I will claim because they tried to rob a toy store. So I'll kill them forever to death. I'm just saying that's a very concrete stream of logic that a child would have. This is not and a it child. it makes internal sense in the film again. This is not a child. He's a catastrophe. He, he, I mean, he lures them to the house and were the usual Jeez, medical awesome. laws just, to yeah. apply, they would they would die but they don't they survive to be jailed and i assume did they return in the other films i know that macaulay calkin does not okay so the films that are in continuity are one two four and six four is kevin McAllister, and marv is in it with his wife but they're all different actors french stewart plays marv in four six is more like brief cameo from buzz that ties the universes together okay but we never see the sticky bandits just break out of jail. They actually have 
go at it again. The best thing in the sixth one, which is on Disney Plus in like 2021, is they have Buzz in there as a cop. And they establish in there that every Christmas Eve, (laughs) to rag on Buzz, people make false reports to the police about kids being left home alone because this story is so well known. So when this kid is actually left home alone, they write it off as a prank because people do this to Buzz every Christmas Eve. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. It's that good. Is, it, good. Is, it is good storytelling. It good is guy. weird that that story was that widely well-known that like twice this family abandoned this one child at different times. Yeah. And there, I guess there was no concern. If I'm the family the second the time around, I'm begging everybody to keep it crispy. I'm going to be nice to that, gonna be nice to that uh, concierge. Like, listen— it's just between you and me, right? We all made some mistakes here. You let a kid check into a hotel and then try to chase him, and then you thought you came into the hotel room while I was showering naked, but it was really just my kid pretending <laughs> to be my brother showering naked. Well, well, and also, like, they lost their kid in the airport, and the reason they didn't know where their kid was is because they sat in first class and left their kids to wander around back in coach. <laughs> yeah, and so I think, that the, I think that there's, I'm just going to be completely honest, there's a little bit of Karen energy coming out. A little bit with with the with their confrontation with Tim Curry there. Like, come on, come on, guys, this is on you. You lost your child. Do you know in the fourth movie that the parents have split up and he's defending the house of his dad and his soon to be new wife? No, true. true. No, that's so. What? That's true. Why? Okay. Um. Uh. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you've had a happy holiday season or happy having one if that's your thing. Uh, if you want to watch Candle Nights, that is our virtual video spec- fundraising spectacular. Uh, you can still watch the VOD until January 1st. It's five bucks. If you pledge more, um, all that money is going to Harmony House. All of it. I mean, more or all of the money we raise is going to Harmony House, which is a shelter for people experiencing homelessness in our area. That Sydney's very involved with it. It's a great cause. I think you'll agree. It's a, it's a wonderful organization. We're the hub um, for anybody experiencing homelessness or or in need of that sort of assistance, housing assistance. Um, we provide, obviously, like a shelter, a warming space, clothing. Uh, I provide medical care. We provide food. We provide hygiene items, um, a place to take a shower, and then the services to hopefully get people uh, housed and back on their feet. And your donations really help us do that. Dot L-Y forward slash Candle Nights 2023 is the address. Also, 10% of all merch sales this month go to Harmony House as well. So if you go to McElroyMerch.com, get some of our new stuff or some of our old stuff, all the stuff, then uh, you're going to help raise money for Harmony House as well. Thanks to taxpayers for use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thanks to you for listening going to do it for us. Until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. All right. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.